The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Have a copy of God's Word, would you uh, join me? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we are um, going to continue in our study there, our ongoing study of, of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. Salvation is by faith, not by works. That's really the, the main tenet of um, Christianity. I, I, would, I would say the main tenet of Christianity, certainly the main tenet of, of uh, Protestantism. Um, that salvation is by, by faith alone in Christ alone. So that... That is what the writer of Hebrews is looking to teach, uh, not just in Hebrews 11, but throughout this, this entire uh, letter, this entire letter. letter. Remember, this, this letter was written uh, to a Jewish audience, to um, Jewish believers and to those Jews who were not yet um, believers, um, but, but was calling them to faith in in Jesus Christ. And um, for a, a Jew then and even now, righteousness is achieved by law keeping. That, that righteousness and, and salvation is earned through works. And so the, the writer of Hebrews is, is, is writing this letter to show that Salvation, that, that righteousness, that redemption comes by faith alone. But what is faith? You know, that's, that's the question. If, if we as believers, if we as, as a church, if we um, proclaim this truth that, that salvation, our, our greatest need, is by faith alone, then we, we really need to do the work to define what faith is. Because it can be a lot of things to a lot of people. But um, biblically, um, faith isn't just whatever you feel like it would be. Faith is what God has said that it is. And, you know, that, that question of what faith is was answered in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is, that's, that's, that's how we know he's telling us what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. This is, is faith. It's assurance. It's conviction. We, we covered that verse a number of weeks ago. Now it, it is this, um, this steadfast, secure assurance, a conviction that the things that God has promised us, those things hoped for, are ours now and they will be ours one day and that we are convinced of that even though we have not seen them with our <clears throat> eyes. And so the writer begins to show this kind of faith, a faith that is the assurance of things hoped for 
and the conviction of things not seen. He begins to show this faith in the real-life examples of people who lived in, in the Old Testament. He continues in verse 2, For by it, that is by a faith, that is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation from God. It was through this faith that they received from God His good pleasure. And so he begins, the writer begins to walk chronologically through the Old Testament using these, these real-life examples of faith. And so we've, we've been studying a few of those together. We've studied the faith of Abel. We studied the faith of Enoch and Noah. And now, starting last week, we're on to really the, the man of faith himself, um, Abraham. Abraham. Last week... As we began this section in Hebrews 11 with Abraham, we saw that faith obeys the command of God, faith believes the promises of God, and faith focuses on the rewards of God. That was where we were last week with Abraham. But Abraham being the central figure of faith in, in all of the Bible, he is, there's, there's much given to him in this um, chapter. And so we'll continue with Abraham this, this week. And we'll be with Abraham and his family. And here's what we learn. We learn that faith waits. That genuine faith waits. And we will see in these, these text, this text this morning that faith waits through discontent, death, and denial. That faith waits through discontent, death, and denial. And that faith waits for deliverance. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to that place, out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And that was last week. We pick up on verse 11 this morning. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, 
for he has prepared for them a city. Faith waits. The, the writer of Hebrews is focusing on the faith of, of Abraham. But as he does, he turns his attention to his wife, Sarah. You see, the, the promise of God had come to, to Abraham. It was to Abraham that God made the promise that he would be the father of many nations, that he would have offspring as numerous as the stars in the heavens. You may remember God called Abraham to go outside and to lift up his gaze to the heavens. And he challenged him there and then to number the stars. Of course, that's, that's, that's impossible. And that was exactly the Lord God's point to Abraham, to say, Abraham, you, you will be the father of that numerous of an offspring. And so God made these great promises to Abraham to bless him, to take him to a land, to a, to a promised land that, that he would show him, to make of him the father of, of many offspring, to use him and his offspring to be a blessing to, to all the nations. That was God's promise made to Abraham. And, and faith obeys. And so Abraham, in faith, he obeyed. And he, he goes, not knowing where. And his wife goes with him. But years pass. Decades even. And still there is no child of promise. Can you imagine the discontent in their hearts? For decades and decades and decades, nearly a hundred years, desirous for a child, yet barren. Can you imagine the discontent? Can, can, can you imagine the discontent that was heaped even on, on top of that? Because Abraham's name at, at the time was Abram. And this was, this was in, a, in a point in history where your name meant something. And the, the name Abram literally meant the father of many. So imagine this man and his wife Sarah leaving their homeland, journeying to Canaan, living there in tents as strangers and exiles, but all the time growing in stature and growing in influence and, and growing in, in wealth. We, we learn this about the life of, of Abraham. And there where they were, where God had positioned them as a, a major trade route. And Abraham is, is encountering lots of merchants and even kings and, and, and priests. And can you imagine as they come to, to greet him, as they've, they've heard of him, they come to greet him and they, they bow and they, they meet him. And so your name is Abram. 
father of many. That is great. How many children do you have, father of many? Can you imagine the discontent when your name literally means a father of many, yet you have no children of your own? And every time someone calls you by name or every time you introduce yourself, it's just a reminder of the very thing that you want the most that you yet have. You know, this would be difficult today, and it is. I know there are many, even those here today, who find themselves in this situation. It was especially difficult in the ancient world. Just imagine the sneers and the laughs and the underhanded comments. Imagine the discontent as the years go by and Sarah grows older. And by all earthly measures, she passes childbearing age. After all, it was this discontent that caused Sarah to decide that God's promises to Abraham, her husband, must not have included her. And so she took things into her own hands. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. You know, isn't this, this true? Isn't it true for all of us that it's, it's in those moments of discontent? It's in those moments where there's something that we desperately desire, yet we do not have. That we look to take things into our own hands to figure out our own way. You see it regularly in men and women who are single, desperately want a spouse, desperately want to be married. Instead of waiting on the Lord to provide or seeking joy in the singleness that God has placed them in, they look to take things into their own hands. Through means that aren't God honoring. People who are unhappy in a job, discontent with where they are, not seeking the Lord for His wisdom and His direction, and instead take things into their own hands. How many marriages have ended in divorce or separation because of discontent within a marriage? And a desire to take things into your own hands and to make your own way. The reality is that God works in our discontent. God works through our discontent. God uses our discontent to build some things inside of us that we desperately need. God works through our discontent to form us and to shape us more into his image. This is what God did in Abraham and this is what God can do in us if we have a faith that waits through discontent. 
Now, Abraham certainly was discontent. And he voiced that discontent to God. I think that's a good, healthy reminder for us. Not to respond to God in anger. But he knows us and he knows the state of our heart. And it's not going to take him by surprise if we're honest with him with where we are and how we're feeling. And in doing so, we seek him. This is what Abraham did in Genesis chapter 15. And, and guess what? All God did was remind him of his great promises. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. You're not Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. What do you have to give me, God? I don't have the very thing that I want. I don't have the very thing that you promised. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household, a servant, will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And here is a faith that waits. And Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Listen, sometimes in life we are discontent. Sometimes in life there are things we desperately want. But genuine faith, saving faith, hopes in the promises of God and by faith sees the things that are yet ours. That's what faith does. Faith waits through discontent. And Sarah, even in the faith of discontent, believed the promises of God. Verse 11 in Hebrews 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. You know, I read that and I, and I, I think about Sarah and her life and I think about where she was in that place where she took things into her own hands. She tried to make her own way. And she had a faith that didn't weigh. And to then read this in Hebrews 11, 11, in this great roll call of faith, for her to be included as one who had faith in God. She considered him faithful who had promised. And I can't help but to be encouraged this morning that our failures and our mistakes are not the end of our stories, that God is gracious and kind. And it is His kindness that leads us to repentance. And He is willing, even in our mistakes and discontent, 
to use us according to his great purposes. I know there are many of you here this morning living in discontent. You desperately want a child. You desperately want a spouse. You desperately want an answer to some medical problems. You desperately want a job. And all of that is okay. But don't let that discontent cause you to lose faith because real faith works and waits through discontent. Follow the example set before us in Abram and Sarah and believe the promises of God. And in doing so, know with full assurance a hope for the things promised and a conviction of being able to see the things that are not yet, know that one day you will receive fullness of joy and your discontented heart will be content for all of eternity. Faith waits through discontent, but faith also waits through death. Verse 12, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as innumerable as the, the grains of sand by the seashore. What a, what a triumphant verse. Here is God doing what God said he would do. Here is this man, old in age, as good as dead. Here he is with all of these descendants. Look at how good and how gracious. God is, look at the way they've been blessed. This this is the the great crescendo of the covenant blessing here in the life of Abraham and his offspring. But then comes verse 13. And these all died in faith. God is, is faithful to his promises. He always is faithful to his promises. And Abraham had Isaac. And from there, generation after generation after generation were born. Grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And every single one of them had something in common with the rest of creation. They died. You see, death is the great equalizer. It is what awaits us all. And it is an important reminder that it is, death is, the natural end to a life of faith. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now the question isn't, did they die? The question is, how did they die? And the answer that the writer of Hebrews gives us is that they died in faith. That they died trusting in the promises of God. That they died seeing the unseen, sure of the things that they hoped for. Abraham, dead. Isaac, dead. Jacob, dead. Joseph, dead. And all along the way, from generation to generation... 
The story being told that one day, long ago, God spoke to Abraham and He made great promises to him. The promise of of a land that would be ours. The promise of an offspring that would bless the world. And each and every one of them, they all died in faith. Because real saving faith waits. Even through death. Even when that death comes, not yet having received the promise. Even when that death comes, not yet having received what your heart desires. Because real saving faith waits even through death. So much so that I would say that the the defining mark of saving faith, genuine saving faith, is that it perseveres to the end. There is so much that looks like genuine saving faith. It's hard as a pastor. It is is hard. When you meet a brother, you meet a sister, they, they, they come to the church, they claim to have accepted Christ, they want to be baptized, you ask all the questions you can ask, you search all the ways that you can search, you watch all that you can watch, but it is difficult. It's difficult to tell. Because the genuine, defining mark of saving faith is that saving faith perseveres to the end, even through death. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's what Abraham did. That's what Isaac did. That's what Jacob did. That's what Joseph did. They endured to the end in faith. Not yet having received the promises of God, they still believed in faith even through death. Death will find me. It will find you. How will it find us? Will it find us in faith? Will it find us still believing when the diagnosis comes? When the heartache comes. Faith waits. It waits through discontent. It waits through death. Even a death that comes in the face of a life of denial. Faith waits through denial. This is what the writer of Hebrews commends about Abraham and his descendants. That they died in faith, though they had been denied the promise in this life. Right? Verse 13. These all died in faith. Not having received the things promised. They died. They died in faith even though in this life each and every one of them had been denied the very thing that God had promised them. And here is the real test of faith. Will you still trust? Will you still believe even when you don't receive? 
You see, so much of Christianity has been co-opted by these health and wealth heretics. That there has been developed and it is prevalent. That Christianity is a means for blessings here on this earth. And they take the promises made by God in the scriptures and they twist them into meaning some kind of temporal blessing here and now. But to be a Christian, to have faith, means to be persecuted in this world. It means to live as a pilgrim and a stranger. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, they weren't theirs yet, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. This earth wasn't theirs. The blessings of this earth wasn't there. This land wasn't theirs. <clears throat> to be a Christian means to live as a pilgrim. It means to live as a stranger. It means to deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow Jesus. It means that our greatest blessings are coming in the next life. And that that means, mark it down, that means a denial of those blessings in this life. Now that does not mean that God does not bless us in the here and now. He has blessed me in innumerable ways. And I am sure He has blessed you in innumerable ways. There are blessings from Christ in this life. There, 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 are, there are blessings that Christians enjoy in this life that others don't by means of grace. There, there's, a, there's a special grace experienced in the life of a believer. There's a special blessing experienced in the life of a believer in this life. Absolutely so. There is also blessings of Christ experienced in the life of the unbeliever. This is called common grace. There, are, there, there is common grace that, that all of creation enjoys. That is certainly true. But the greatest blessings, the ultimate fulfillment of the promises of God, those things, they await us. Those things will not be ours in this life. And faith waits even through the denial of those things. They waited. They waited in discontent. They waited through death. They waited through denial. Because faith waits on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and I and in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord. 
More than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with Him is plentiful redemption. And He will redeem Israel from all His iniquities. Wait on the Lord. Faith waits. It waits through discontent. It waits through death. It waits through denial, but it ultimately waits for deliverance. That's the great promise of Psalm 130. Wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His Word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities and indeed he has. Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. People that speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. People that speak how? People that speak as strangers and exiles. They make it clear. They're, they're, they're looking for a homeland. And if they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, that is Ur, then they would have had the opportunity to return. But that was not what they were seeking. But as it is, they desire a better country. Not an earthly one. That is a heavenly one. And because of that, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Because he has prepared for them the very thing that they're looking for. A city. What they all so eagerly awaited was a savior. That's what they awaited. They awaited the one who would welcome them into a better country, into a heavenly city. I believe that because I believe that they knew their sin. Just like I know mine and just like you know yours. And that they knew their need for righteousness. That they knew their need for redemption. And they eagerly awaited the promised offspring. The promised offspring of Eve that would one day crush the serpent. The promised offspring of Abraham that would one day bless the whole world. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joshua. They eagerly awaited Christ. And in him, all the fulfillment of the promises of God. And I thought about that. 
Because we, re we read about Abraham, we read about Sarah, we read about Isaac, we read about these people. And we think, we see their life, and we, we, we see what, what they're waiting for. And, I, and as, I, I, as I read and thought, I thought, you know what? So are we. So are we. What are we waiting for? What are we trusting for? What are we believing for? We are waiting for Christ. That's, what, that's who we're waiting for. We're not waiting on His, His first coming. We're waiting on His second coming. When He will come and receive those who have patiently waited in faith through discontent, through denial, through death, waiting eagerly for the deliverance that will come in Him. We're eagerly waiting for Him to come To give to us according to his grace all the promises of God made to Abraham that he bestows on those who eagerly await his return. Because genuine faith waits. Genuine faith waits. You know, it would be much easier to preach a, a sermon that says, hey, you do these things, you say these things, you act this way, you, you give this money, and God is obligated to give you the things that you want. It's easy to stand, and it draws a big crowd, crowd to say, you're going to receive, if you believe, all the things that you so desire. That they're just waiting on you. So sow a seed of faith and reap a harvest. Problem is, this life's full of droughts. It's full of difficulties. It's full of discontent. It's full of denial. What you want most may never come, not in this life. The question is, will you wait in faith? Trusting and believing in the promises of God. Sure. Sure. Absolutely sure of the things you hope for. That they will be yours. Able to see, even in the wilderness, the things that are not yet. A.W. Pink says of faith that it provides a firm standing ground while we await the fulfillment of God's promises. That faith furnishes our hearts with a sure support during the interval. Faith believes God and relies on Him. And as it does, so the heart is anchored and remains steady. No matter how fierce the storm no matter how protracted the season of waiting, real faith issues a confidence and a standing expectation of future things. Faith waits. Faith waits. Are you content to wait in the here and now, believing, trusting in the promises of God, for the better that is yet to come, but will be ours when the one 
whom we eagerly await returns and gives us by his grace according to our faith all the promises of God. God, what good news for us that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. He is the promised offspring. He is the promised land. He is the promised blessing of the nations. Every promise... God, every promise that you've made throughout history, every single one of them, find their yes, find their fulfillment in the man, Jesus Christ. And so would we, like those before us, would we wait patiently in faith, even in the faith of our our discontent when the thing we desire the most is denied. Would we wait patiently, even in death, A death that meets us in that denial. Because we know that faith, though it waits through those hard things, it waits for deliverance from those things. When we will receive from your gracious hand all the blessings that belong to you, Lord Jesus, they are given to us as co-heirs according to faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.